Welcome back, coming to you live from Roanoke, Texas, in my living room with the Roanoke, one Roanoke, Texas, a unique destination for dining. Technically <laughs> North Lake, but nobody knows where the hell North Lake is. Wow, almost dropped in. Came in hot with that uh, almost F-bomb, 10 seconds in the pod. Uh, joined by You're hot the today. What, uh, what happened? Anything, anything major? Wow, I was giving you a compliment over here. Ryan Lockhead, sitting across from me, co-host. Ryan, how's it going, bud? You know, it's going pretty good. Can't complain from the great city of Dallas, you know, very morally impactful and, you know, head on our shoulders, kind of, you know, I don't understand. great, positive, I... wonderful city of Dallas. Love this place. Can't believe I'm from such a morally stout kind of uh, place. I don't understand the reference. I just love my city, man. I'm just yeah, glad I mean, that dude, it me taught too. me, it taught me what's right and what's uh -huh. wrong. Uh -huh. And I've been able to apply that throughout the course of my life that i'm just happy to be from dallas texas see I, I feel like you're getting at something and i don't the reference is sort of like flying over my head sort of like you know that home run that jose altuve flew into the stands uh off of oldest chapman uh <laughs> a couple years ago but you know that's neither here nor there it's you know honestly man it's uh <laughs> it's been a relatively uh pretty lax week nothing too crazy has gone on um really Great week not, for Houston sports. Not too much to report on the Houston sports front. <laughs> um, obviously, that's not the case. Uh, but before we get into uh, get into my uh, complete state of misery, how's your uh, how's your week been? Class started again this week. Yeah, it's been good. You know, first week back's uh, an interesting one, but it's been good. How's little... your, what, how do you feel about syllabus week? I mean, I feel like you're this is your last semester of college. And... Yeah, they they. I mean, all my classes they jumped right into it. So. My thoughts on syllabus week are that we didn't really do anything syllabus related, and I already have a ton of homework. So you have all your professors who just like you know they're playing the syllabus or the the first PowerPoint, and they immediately go from like the syllabus into lecture one. And you're just like, oh, oh God damn it, hundred percent. Yeah, we're, back, like, we're in the mix. Shit. I think Loftus was quoted saying that he thinks they're dumb and he doesn't know why we still do this. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, glad to hear that your week's been, you know, pretty pretty solid. Um, could not be me. Uh, this week has been an absolute shit show <clears throat> from start to finish, and we'll get into the particulars about that. But let's start with uh, the NFL divisional round that took place this past weekend. Um, overall, some pretty good games. Yeah, uh, the couple that were very good. A uh, few that were not necessarily the most entertaining uh, or had the best results, speaking as an unbiased uh, sports fan. Uh, but for the most part, I think it played out how I would say most of us expected for three of the four teams who advanced to the, the you know championship round. And the the outlier, of course, the team that, you know, if you were doing like a multiple choice test and you had to pick which one of these guys did not belong, Prost Elimination, you're focusing in on the Tennessee Titans who somehow, someway, just controlled that game against Baltimore and just dethroned the the champion. Honestly, yeah. I think that everybody had the Ravens penciled in uh, to the Super Bowl, but I don't know, dude, what what, what the hell just happened? I mean, the Titans came in there with that chip on your shoulder that you hear about so often in sports. Uh, the Ravens were 
fresh off, two weeks off, because Lamar didn't even play in week 17, and he's the cornerstone of that entire team, obviously. They came in there, and they did exactly what they needed to do. They let Lamar throw the ball, and they limited his running ability. And I thought that was a brilliant game plan. They said, hey, bud, beat us with your arm. We're not going to let you run. Simple as that. And that's what happened. He had like 350 passing yards, but they were all kind of irrelevant. They were kind of giving him those 10, 12-yard passes over the middle. And it just didn't correlate to an effective game plan for Baltimore, and they could never really recover. I mean, especially after Tennessee got up a couple scores. You see this happening uh, quite frequently. You know, a team looks just untouchable in the regular season and then the playoffs start and it's just a different ball game because you have a little bit more time to prepare and you can exploit the weaknesses and you can mm-hmm. focus on just one opponent. So obviously Vrabel and his staff come into analyzing the film around Lamar Jackson. They exploit some weaknesses and they determine that the best way to beat, sort of like you just touched on, the best way to beat this team that honestly... <clears throat> I think most people had moving on. I believe I both certain, of us. I yeah, certainly yeah. did. Yeah, I, 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 think I, I did not think my, this was going to happen. Champ. It's that classic. Like it's that Michael Vick defense. You know, you, if you played Madden back when Michael Vick was the the goat in that game, uh, all you had to do is hit that QB spy play, and Vick's throwing ability was pretty subpar. And they they applied that in real time. Um, however, this isn't the last we're going to see of Lamar Jackson. There's a there was a bunch of takes throughout the course of the week where he was like, oh, we told you he's not a quarterback, like blah, blah, blah. I thought that was just ludicrous, and it's just lazy, lazy takes. The kid is 22 years old. Yeah, it's like, unbelievable. He, he had an MVP season, his one bad game, and they're writing him off already. No, nah, this, guy, this guy's going to be back. The Ravens could probably benefit from getting a, a better – passing option for him there yep. i don't who would you even say is that's his best receiver is mark andrews who's a tight yeah, end or like exactly. hollywood brown who's, who's boomer um, bust as it gets and young and, and young yeah and he was a he was young. a draft first round draft pick this year so i don't know the real story is that derrick henry's awesome that's oh my the, God. that's the story it's just uh, coming to the season you know i think most sports fans, most big football fans, they kind of sit there and this is sort of a byproduct of the fantasy draft thing. You sit there and think about your top five in each position group. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't have Derrick Henry, my top five running backs. And the dude is just unstoppable. He's untouchable. And even if you do touch him, then he just runs right over you. And he's revolutionizing. It's not even, it's not even revolutionizing. I mean, we went, we went away from this like big running back for a couple of years. Now I'd like you pay the, the shifty guy who, you know, is pretty, uh, slow to approach the line, but yeah, once like he gets a, a like gap, a Lev, he's like gone. a Lev Bell type, exactly. Like and yeah. and whereas Derrick Henry is just kind of like, I'm going to truck the shit out of you. Don't he's, stand in my way. It's gonna run downhill. He runs like a four yeah. four, and he's just gonna body you. And he's still quick, man. Yeah, he, it, it's fun. He has like takeoff speed and everything. His feet awesome. don't get any like higher than maybe like three inches above the ground as he's running. He's just kind of like waddling if you actually watch him, but yeah. it's just <laughs> mesmerizing, and <clears throat> it's just insane that. The Tennessee Titans are playing an AFC Championship game. It I, is. I could. I would not have predicted this uh, if I had the Titans as a Super Bowl favorite. I or my Super Bowl pick rather. If I had that ticket, I would have hedged my bet coming into this matchup, one thousand percent. And here we are sitting, sitting, and we're gonna be watching the Titans play the freaking Chiefs. I know. What do you make of Ryan Tannehill's stuff that's he, going around? He's I got like he was, 160 yards in two games, but. Those 160 yards were, like, effective as hell. I think he was excellent in the regular season. And now he is doing just enough. Like, he has to do just X amount. And obviously, like, the game plan is designed around that. Right. 
So right. I'll be interested it's, to see how they approach. It's next worked one. in the past. I mean, this this approach has worked where you don't need you know a top five quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know the 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 most frequent one I can the most recent one I can remember really that's being that was popularized was like Eli Manning. Like you don't need the greatest quarterback of all time to to win you games. You need yeah. him to be clutch down the stretch, and you need him to play mistake free. Trent Dilfer. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean Terry Bradshaw was the, was the exact same way. Yeah, the list uh, goes on and on. And Rabel probably just sat Ryan down and said, "Hey, my guy, I need you to do this, this, and this, and we can win. We can win a football game in advance." And he did exactly what he yeah, needed to do. He looks like he's all in too. Yeah. They're they're a fun team. God, they really are. And it sucks because I don't like the Titans. I just you know just AFC South rivalry and whatnot. Yeah, but I'd say I, they're the best team in the AFC South for sure. No comment. Uh, but no, the Tannehill thing, man, it really worked out. And how shitty do you have to feel if you're Mark? I mean, we talked about this last week, but if you're Marcus Mariota, like this is got to be just soul crushing. He's for saying all the right things in the media. I think he came out literally this morning and said that he's just happy to be, you know, have a role in the team, blah, blah, right. blah. But it's, you got to, there was one thing they changed and that? it was Marcus Mariota. Yeah. They just put Ryan Tannehill in and, and the entire game plan changed. Everything changed and they're, seemingly unstoppable at this I mean, point we've seen this happen where you have to make like one little pivot and make one personnel change and it just kind of unlocks a different aspect and facet of your your game we saw this when uh alabama won the national championship and they benched uh hurts for yeah. Tua. Right. and to credit to credit to jalen hurts he came out and said the exact right stuff as well and then he transferred he was, he was a kid <laughs> yeah that's true marcus i think you have to i mean what do you what are you gonna say to like when the media yeah, says like, hey so is this uh is this championship run is it is this easy as well for you are you are you enjoying the ride like what do you say no dude this fucking sucks yeah you yeah, can't you say that have to be like, especially yeah. in the midst of it maybe in the off season some stuff will come out and he probably thinks he's a starting quarterback somewhere so i'm sure he'll Shit. bail but at this point this that's you can't otherwise. you can't say anything else so that was that shocking um I, i'm with you i think that this ravens team is still very good you got to surround him with a couple more weapons it didn't help that ingram was hurt no nah. um he tried. I, the props yeah. to him for trying, but yeah. he just couldn't get over that. That I think the it was ankle, a calf or ankle, ankle calf, or something, something down there. But so yeah, that's it's a bummer. I really like this Ravens team. I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's you know he's destined for great things. He's an MVP, so you can't really argue with that. Um, but shocked, absolutely shocked Truly. when this result came through. And I just wait. I was waiting for like the the other shoe to drop. It like, never did. Nah, it was the man. weirdest watch. It was it like, just, all right, when when are they going to pick it up here? And it just never came. I honestly didn't. I didn't come to this realization until probably about the midway through the second half. I'm like, well, if you have if you have a, a couple scores up and you have a guy a workhorse like Derrick Henry, and I don't even think workhorse is giving enough credit. But if you have a back like Derrick Henry, you can just chew as much clock as you want yeah. and just continue to run, continue to move the ball. They can't stop him. They knew it was coming <laughs> and they couldn't stop. It. And then even when they had the ability to sort of like, you know, stack the box, Tanner would make a play. Mm-hmm. So he, he threw like a 40 yard touchdown at one yeah. point, which was like, I think he threw 65 total yards. And one of them was like a 40 yard touchdown pass. <laughs> it's <laughs> like beautiful. Cool, man. Everything well, was clicking. A lot of fun. Um, I, I honestly disappointed uh, just purely matchup. I wanted, I wanted, you know, Baltimore moving on, but mm-hmm. I think it's a fun story that Tennessee has, and I think Vrabel, uh, you know, I really like Vrabel. I think he's Same. done a really good job, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. But uh, sticking in the AFC, uh, you know what? We don't need to talk about it, honestly. <laughs> oh, come on. Not dude. important to talk about This it. was the craziest game of the day. Jesus H. I mean, the so weekend. we watched this together. You came over what, my what place. A, what an ex- just an exciting Watch that was just seeing you 
so high, then so low, somewhere in between. At one point, you walked out of the apartment. Um, if you've been living under a rock the last <laughs> couple of days, what we're referring to obviously is the Houston Texans taking a twenty-four to nothing, twenty-one to nothing, twenty-four, twenty-four to nothing lead, um, and surrendering it in what four and a half minutes flat. I mean, I know they scored the Chiefs scored three touchdowns in like freaking like one hundred and twenty seconds. Yeah, but, it was insane. So the thing that I thought thought was funny about this that's a great word for funny the thing that i (laughs) noticed about this is you know we had a couple of people over to watch and uh texans go up and i was just like i'm not buying it i'm not buying it i'm not buying it and i finally (laughs) i finally bought in after we go up 24 to nothing even though o'brien had that horrendous call not going for it yeah we can talk about that in a second because that was that is a layered layered topic but the second (laughs) i let myself buy in the wheels fly off. And it's not even so much that the wheels flew off, I guess. It's just Kansas City's that just that good. They just I mean, they, that quick. The, uh, and they're just yeah, fucking KC just fucking flicked wagon, that dude. switch that you know they're capable of and like the entire game changed. It was it was insane. I remember at one point it was like t- it was 21 to nothing and if you look at the clock there was like 5 minutes left in the first quarter or something like that. And you got to think like holy shit, there's so much game left. Like they're going to come back. They're going to come back. Then the O'Brien decision not to go for the touchdown there was i mean we were both standing here you gotta go for that you gotta with a team like the chiefs you have to twist the knife you have to continue to just punch them down and they didn't do it and he chased that decision with that i don't even i can't even put into words the stupidity surrounding that fake punt i it was a pure it was a pure panic move it was oh shit the chiefs are coming back they look really good i need to do something and that something was not let's fake punt it in our own territory and then not get it it was it was unbelievable and that was a momentum changer for sure without question I don't. I don't remember exactly when I walked out of the apartment. Uh, I think it was before before half. But I was. Well, yeah, because before the half was done, the Chiefs had the lead. God, it's just like PTSD, man. Just reliving the, yeah. reliving this thing that I just shoved down. I mean, the Texans just stink. All right, I when I asked you before the game, yeah, should I wrong, bet man. on the, Should I bet on this team? You gave me some some optimism. I was like, okay, I'm not sold on the on the, the spread. But I'll tease it up mm-hmm. to 16 points. Mm-hmm. So I had 16 points. 24 nothing. I'm looking at plus 40. I have 40 points and I win some cash. They blew it. They didn't even cover that spread. They lost by 20 goddamn points. Shit. It was unbelievable. Bad. This team could not even get the garbage touchdown to just bring it back to like a gambler's paradise or whatever. Wow. They couldn't even get that. This team is not good. They're frauds. They stink. And I would hate to be a fan of the Houston Texans. Our starting quarterback <laughs> had to walk to the sideline after Bill O'Brien. What what did he do? He was he was gonna go he was gonna uh uh f- what? It was, they, he was gonna, I can't even, he was gonna I can't punt even, on a fourth down. And Deshaun Watson said late in the game. No, my guy, we need to go for this right now. He had to walk to the sideline and just go like what what the hell are you doing? He burned a timeout there. What the hell are you doing? And then we had to burn a timeout because Bill O'Brien and his in game management is just yeah, props atrocious. to the props to the TV crew because they had the camera on Bill O'Brien that entire time, and the look on his face completely sold him out. He had no idea what to do. He was he was stressed. 
He wasn't managing it well, and he just absolutely blew it. He he looked like a deer in headlights. Like honestly, like I, I know that's a cliche that gets overused, but you look at him, he's just like this he, guy's never coached a football game in his entire life. He had his fucking glasses at the bridge of his nose, like he was some intellectual or something, and he's like, no, no, you have to go for it. There, we're on our fucking couch drinking beers. We know that. Where is where is their guy? I I know everybody has like an analytics guy with like a sheet, like a spreadsheet that says, okay, if we're in this situation statistically we should do x over y where's that guy Honestly, they don't have I, bet, it, I bet he walked up to o'brien was like hey bill he's like shut the fuck up go sit down on the fucking bench you don't know you nothing. nerd this is you... football this is football and it just i would like to say i'm shocked but i wasn't i was laughing like in the third quarter i'm laughing while this is going down i'll tell you what i did at halftime though yeah or not even at halftime put some money on the chiefs chiefs money line down 24 they came all the way back, baby. That was the best win ever. Luckily for that, I, I am not totally mad at the Texans, but and it's it just had that it, it that speaks to a greater point that it just wasn't believable even when they were up twenty four. Right. It's like this team still feels they're, like they're gonna blow this. They're frauds. They're frauds. They're fraudulent, <laughs> man. It's it, you, and the Chiefs are that good. We're underselling how good the Chiefs are. Once Mahomes clicked, it was cl- it was clear why he's the best quarterback right. in the NFL because everything like, just started clicking. Kelsey was playing awesome. That guy is electric. Yep. I know he's not your favorite, but he he, he played, was he played his, his ass off. off. Everything that the, every mistake the Chiefs were making in the first quarter, dropping passes, overthrowing right. people, it all dissipated and quickly. You knew that was going to happen though because all the mistakes were just nervousness, I think, yeah. and being in this Little position. Rust. Uh you know, it's it's Airhead's Kind of, it's got to be pretty daunting to play there, and the the mistakes were like you know muffed punts, uh, overthrow or not even overthrown balls, just bl- like straight up dropped passes, um, just mental mistakes that you knew once they got settled in, and you know their offense started kick, you know humming along. It was which was going to happen at some point. I didn't think it would be that quickly and uh, that rapidly. Uh, and when it's when it first happened, but once once the ball got moving, it did not stop. Our defense had no answers. I, honestly. I guarantee you that uh, the CPS producer who was like, we need a JJ cam, uh, <laughs> like pull, kind of writing that in because anytime they put the camera on him, the dude was just sucking wind, like on all fours yeah, or tough. just ha- hands on knees, just like hyperventilated because he could not get off the field. That defense could not get off the field. And I, the offense played fine, uh, you know, outside of that first quarter. I think we scored, what, seven more points? Yeah. But Deshaun Watson looked fine. Uh, offense looked okay. That first quarter was amazing it was one of the most fun times i can recall watching houston texans football you got a whole like 10 minutes i was so happy exactly but the problem is now i think this is where bill o'brien kind of got confused he thought once we get to the divisional round as long as we win the first quarter we win the ball game right <laughs> he's walking off the field at the end of the first quarter just like pointing out to the crowd like we did it we boys did it. super bowl and, like, his assistants are like pulling back like no bill we have three more quarters he's like oh shit i only game plan for the first quarter <laughs> my bad <laughs> it it truly seemed that he didn't know how to coach with a lead like he just didn't know how to do it cuz like where so where does it go wrong like throughout the process there's like you give up that many points in such a short amount of time mm-hmm you got to think like where where did it go wrong like what was the moment was it it was it must have been the fake punt right where everything the wheel just completely fell off if that goes correct or if that goes right and you convert there i think even if you know typically these coaching decisions it's like if it doesn't go right you just 
absolutely tar and feather the dude. But if it goes right, you're heralding him as the next great yeah. mind. But even in this case, if Bill O'Brien had converted or the Texans had converted that fake punt, I was would have still been like, what the fuck are you doing? You are in your own territory. The Chiefs are starting to gain a little bit of momentum. Like, just don't do that. Just punt the goddamn football. Dude, it wasn't even close. They like the Chiefs knew exactly what was coming. It seemed that kid tackled the shit out of him. Yeah, him. and they, they were like, "You made a great open field tackle." I'm like the dude, like literally, to, to his it credit, the, I don't know the special teamer, but he saw what was happening, happening, sniffed it out, made a nice tackle. But it's not like it was an ingenious play. Like we've seen it been, we've seen this play run dozens of times over the last couple of seasons. It's just if Andy Reid had done any bit of scouting. He would have been, or his special teams coach would have been aware that, hey, they might try to pull, pull off some tomfoolery here. Just be looking out yeah. for this. Literally, this it, it, it takes one guy you to tell direct, this one special teamer, hey, just look out for this guy. They right. usually do that. And Bill O'Brien probably thought he was a fucking genius. She was just like, it, ah, it, just like sat there, just like, just like it was just it, the mistake was just com- it was compounded with the fact that he refused to go for it inside their own territory to put the put the game a little further out of reach. It's just like the decision making process is, is is unbelievable. You know what the worst thing about Bill O'Brien, in my opinion? The butt chin? Well, okay, that's that's one A. But the thing is, if you're a bad coach, you can't also be a dickhead. And Bill O'Brien <laughs> thinks he's He's he thinks he's it's, Bill Belichick. It's he's, literally he's the worst disciple. It's the worst combination. Like he's a horrible human being. I well, okay, I don't know if he's a horrible human being, but he's just such a twat. No, yes, preach, he's just, preach. He's <laughs> such a he's just such a dick. And you can't if you're gonna make horrible coaching decisions and essentially lose the game, which I truly believe that he did. It was the Texans to win. You're up 24 points. 24 points. And you do not win that football game. Four it scores. is on the coach unless somebody's having it like the performance, the worst performance of a lifetime. And you look around, defense did not play well. Romeo Cornell should be fired after that performance. But Bill O'Brien lost that game. The dude needs to go. The problem is the entire, the Texans live and die by Bill O'Brien because he's the general manager dude, just, and the head coach. Just pay Watson hundred million dollars and let's just run it back, dude. Run it He's back. a dictator and like not one of like the cool dictators, like just like an inept piece <laughs> Wait, of shit. Who's, who's a cool dictator? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna list off <laughs> who I think are the cool dictators. Is, I think you're just a little fired up, but I don't. This, in the history of the world, has there ever been a cool dictator? I mean, that Hugo Chavez guy. He's he's got. Redact, redact, redact. I don't actually not a, believe not that. Not a cool dictator. Like, like okay, you know, okay, he wears me... he wears skinny jeans and has like. Exactly. <laughs> he's like he's going to like you know drinks like trendy coffee. <laughs> he's gonna send your family to the gas chambers, but at least he's gonna look stylish doing it. Jesus Christ! Uh, no, man, Bill O'Brien sucks. Like, <laughs> dude needs to go. Roma Cornell needs to go. Uh, our, our, the Texans owner, Cal McNair needs to do something because, you know, what do you, what do you hang your hat on? Like, congrats, you win the AFC South, you know, four out of five years, but guess what, dude, the, you know, one of your biggest rivals is playing this weekend. They beat their team and their team is better than the team that beats you. And you had 24 points up on this team. It's inexcusable loss. It's, you know, I'm, I'm tired of bitching about it. Texans suck, burn it all down. Plus 16 I had, Jesse. I'm sorry. Plus 16. I'm sorry. I told so many you. points. So many I, points. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, dude, I didn't, I didn't think that it would be this bad. It's all good, man. I didn't think I, it, I became I the did biggest. I did not think it could possibly be this bad. And this is why, this is Houston sports for you, man. They just like, they take your misery and just compound it. They, they know that they fucked you last week, but they say, ha ha, hold your beer. 
or excuse me, hold my beer. We're going to just double down on that misery <laughs> and make it that much worse for you because we like living in this constant state of <laughs> sadness and despair and heartbreak. <laughs> Welcome Houston Texans, everybody. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, just to cover my own ass, for any potential law schools listening to the pod, I do not believe that any dictatorship is a morally sound one. Um, it's what we in the biz called satire. <laughs> so just so I have that on the record. Wicked right. cool. <laughs> All right. So that's AFC, NFC games. Ryan, run the point on this. Tell me what I need to know about the San Fran Minnesota game. Not much, except that San Fran is who we thought they were. They came out, they looked awesome, and Minnesota stinks. They just didn't live up to the hype at all. They had maybe one, not the hype, but they Mm -hmm. didn't live up to the challenge of a divisional playoff game like we thought they would not. Um, They were terrible. They had one good play, which was the Diggs Which we both saw. So you you took me to the Londoner in... Londoner in in Colleyville. In Colleyville to watch Liverpool... Liverpool. Uh, in Tottenham, which was table. excellent. Uh, just great experience. You know, I'm not a big EPL guy. That was a shitload of fun. We stayed <laughs> to watch the first quarter of the Minnesota San Fran game, and we walked out of the bar right after the Stephon Diggs touched, like that blue pass. And I was like, holy shit, Minnesota might do this. And, like, yeah, you know, I turned it, off the they game. They certainly didn't. <laughs> turned it back on when I got home about 25 minutes. So I was like, oh, no, these guys suck. These guys suck. They, they just they they suck. That's all there is to it. And San Fran came out. They look like the best team in the entire league, probably. They're the most balanced team, the most complete team. Um, and they, they took it to Minnesota. They did what the Ravens should have done to the Titans. They came out as a team that had a bye week. They were prepared. Kyle Shanahan had them ready to go. Jimmy G played well. Everything was clicking. Everything was looking perfect. And they beat a inferior team. And yep. they're on to the on to the next one. Yeah, they look uh they look phenomenal. Um I can't say really much more than that. They uh, had, you know, I think we both had them in the Super Bowl coming out of the NFC just because the NFC coming into this was obviously a little weaker than the AFC, in my opinion, Um, just because I feel like AFC was a little bit more top heavy in that you had the Ravens and the Chiefs, who I both thought are uh, better than any team in the NFC besides uh, San Francisco. Uh, and that came to pass. It, San Fran just looks like a wagon. Yeah. Um, Minnesota did Minnesota things. Kirk Cousins could not lead them to a victory, which Thanks. I don't, don't think anybody in the United States, even some most, you know, I, I would say most Minnesota fans were probably like, eh, a little hesitant about that. Like, I mean, he, he's our guy. He's our franchise quarterback. But do we really think that he could lead this team over San Francisco in San Francisco? Fuck no. No. Come on. If you are a rational sports fan, which that's sort of an oxymoron because sports fans are not rational and they cannot think rationally <laughs> as evidenced by basically my entire life. Uh, <laughs> but if you actually bought into Kirk Cousins being the answer to, you know, Shanahan and Jimmy G and this, I mean, very well balanced San Francisco team. Yeah. Uh, I think you were just I've got sort few, of delusional. I got a few friends from Minnesota and they were blowing my phone up with, Kurt stinks. We knew he stunk. So at least that's they know. pretty much it. <laughs> at yeah, least they that's, know. that's all I have to say about that. They're just in this purgatory, man, which I don't know what's worst. What's a worse situation to be in. If you're like team just is absolute trash. Oh, hello, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> what's up, bro? 
if your team is absolutely trash, like two and fourteen, we're like, talking like, like Bengals, territory. Bengals territory. Would you rather be the Bengals or the Vikings, knowing that you're not your ceiling is a divisional uh, round appearance? I mean, I'd versus rather knowing I'd, that you have the number I mean, one draft pick going into this. It's year. hard to say because it is they they're always in contention and they're literally just like a better quarterback away from maybe being pretty damn good. They have weapons. Yep. They have a good defense, but their quarterback stinks. Have you ever um, liked Kirk Cousins? No, I can't say I have. I don't think I've ever believed in him. When all that like franchise tag drama with the Redskins was going on, I, I mean, he just is who he is. What's 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 wrong with him? What is he missing? Like what? He just he just doesn't have the look, man. As simple as it, that. It's so just, weird. Like you can see him and you watch him. Like that's not like a top five guy. Yeah. There's just something about it's, him that just does the, not exude confidence. His whole confidence. demeanor. He's like a dweeby looking dude. He doesn't exude confidence. He doesn't. I mean. I I can't imagine he hangs out with anybody on the team. I'm sure he's not like a big locker room presence. Nah. He probably gives his rah-rah I mean, speeches he, and, and everybody kind of looks at him like, all right, Kurt. He pissed out. off both of his uh, two receivers in the early parts of the season because he wouldn't throw the freaking deep ball. Yeah. So, like, obvi- I mean, and you don't see like the greats getting questioned by their wide receivers no, ever. It just doesn't happen. It does not way. happen. Um, but Minnesota stuck with him, and it is what it is. And initially, I thought that when they – Signed Kirk and got rid of Case Keenum, and I've said this a million whoa, whoa, whoa. times before, before. Before you continue, do not you say a single disparaging comment about my guy Case Keenum. No, please I thought, continue. I thought I thought that it was like it, you're just swapping one thing for another. I didn't think that what, like pure excellence in an absolute <laughs> man rocket with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you're you're no. wrong on that. You're wrong. You're, you're goddamn <laughs> Case Keenum is a saint. And Dude, that's what I'm trying to say. He literally is no better or worse than Kirk Cousins is. He's better. He, he he's, has you're a right. better. Case Keenum has a better um, Minnesota moment in the playoffs than that's Kirk true. Cousins does. He freaking has the Minnesota miracle in his back pocket. That's true. Literally the next season, they just get rid of him? Are you kidding me? They did my guy dirty. For, they did my guy, guy so dirty. For a guy that's exactly... Exactly the same. I think they got their comeuppance, honestly, just dis- dissing my guy Case Keenum like that. <laughs> did, I just, just, did he go to Houston? <laughs> yeah, he went to University okay. of Houston. <laughs> yeah, like, of course he did. This, what? Where is this Case Keenum love coming from? Yeah, You're Case Keenum, <laughs> former Houston Texans, Houston Texans, great. Uh, he should have been our guy. He, he, you know, he he had his uh, cup of all coffee right, with the right, Texans. Right. We talked about the Texans. Didn't win, you know, cares. didn't win too many football games. But is winning the most important thing? Good question has to be asked. Wait, you, you said didn't win that many football games, referring to the Houston Texans, who already don't win that many football. Exactly. Games. So at least I could be happy while we're losing these football games, knowing that they're lost by a guy who I enjoy. Yeah. You, so Deshaun Watson. Something to be said for that, Mister Slippery Shoes. Okay. The the Deshaun Watson thing can. That's a conversation for another day. When we're all right. Looking- so the other NFC game, Green Bay and Seattle. Man, this game is probably the best game. Of the weekend, in my opinion, uh, it was. Yeah, it, I, I, it, it had, I'd have to agree with that. It had two hard-hitting veteran quarterbacks who both been there before. Green Bay got up pretty big early, but Russell Wilson managed to gr- literally grit his way back. And in the end, it was the lack of running game that, the lack of a running game right. that kind of screwed them. I thought that they utilized his arm and his running ability to the utmost potential. Um, it was cool. It would be like third and three. And it'd be like, all right, Russell, you need to run for this because mm-hmm. we don't have we have Marshawn right. Lynch, who is awesome and I love him and I'll forever protect my chickens because sure. of him. But, but he's well, but he's well past his prime. So the the story here is that Rodgers looked awesome. Yeah, their offense looked awesome. Devontae Adams is a top what's five, six, seven sure. receiver yeah. in the league. 
And they surprised me, honestly. I, I called them underrated all season, and they got to the visual round and did not look underrated at all. It yep. makes me rethink my NFC Championship pick because hmm. I'm not completely sold on the fact that the 49ers are going to roll the Super Bowl at this point. I think they have a real test in front of them next weekend. I, I, I agree. Um, I have to ask real quick before we move on. Pete Carroll, are we sure he's as esteemed as everybody makes him out to be I mean, because that game plan was you, you i mean you have the best quarterback I, in, or one of the best quarterbacks in the playoffs in the league one of the best quarterbacks of our time and i feel like he's not being used to his full potential and his his game plan leaves something to be desired in my opinion is that is that is that am i wrong no i don't think you're wrong necessarily um yeah i mean you said it pretty perfectly I don't think he's any. He, it's hard to say. He, what is, what echelon does he fall in for you? He falls in that like Mike Tomlin echelon for okay. me. Okay. Okay. He's right up there. He's won a Super right. Bowl. He's been there. He's been around forever. Like, I feel like any he time should have another one. But he, talking he about a like a of, half decent uh, coach like this, you 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 bring the bring the conversation back to the fact that they won a Super Bowl, which I, you know is it's. So I do you, I do so the same you, thing. Would you rather have Would you rather have Mike McCarthy or Pete Carroll? I'd rather have Pete Carroll. Okay. I mean, would you yeah. rather would you rather have Mike Tomlin or Pete Carroll? I'd probably go Tomlin myself. What about you? I'd have to really think about it, but it's tough. I'd probably go Tomlin as well. It's tough. Would I'd you rather have Andy Reid or Pete Carroll? Fuck, that's a tough one. Yeah, so he's right in the conversation, yeah. and is he's not the worst coach. You, no, you no. would certainly rather have him than Bill O'Brien, like. That and oh, I'm yeah. not trying I'd to trap like you. I'm not. Tra- I'm really not like trying to like throw it in your face. Defecation than Bill O'Brien. I think the Carroll criticisms can be a little harsh at times because I. I mean, I thought they ran a fine game plan last weekend. I. It was on the back of Russell Wilson, which is what you want. Mm. And I think if Chris Carson's in that game, it's a completely different game. That's true. So, I, I was. I wasn't sold on the glaring hole that was Chris Carson's absence, but yeah. I mean, it was evident. Yeah, and that's the thing. I. I don't think they. You said the offense geared towards and was. Uh, you know, the, their game plan uh, was Russell Wilson go to Russell, but I don't think they used them enough. Honestly, just yeah. watching that game, I think that they could have leaned on him a little bit more, um, because you know he's not the type of guy who's going to shy away from you know the big moment. Right. He's not going to be like, hey, coach, we're running too many passing plays, we're running too many quarterback, you know, quarterback. Uh, uh, RPOs or whatnot, where I you know have the ball in my hand um, when it's third and three, but I still I still think they did not go to him enough. Uh, I don't know why that is. I just wa- just watching the game, I was like I disagree with this game plan. And I like Pete Carroll. I think he's a fun coach, but I think he gets a little bit too much credit sometimes. I don't know why that is. Mm. Um, I guess it's because we're we're in this like really weird NFL coaching situation where. It's obviously like it's obvious who the hegemon is. It's obvious who the best coach in the league is, and there's just like a lot of guys like who are you have to drop down a little bit to analyze. Hey, who's our who's number two? Uh, who's two through seven here? And the conversation. Yeah, there's, there's a handful of guys that could, you could pick and plug. And he's in probably in that. He's probably in that conversation. He's I two through so. seven for sure. But I feel like he's regarded as you know one of the top minds, or you know maybe not top minds, but like one of the better coach, one of the best coaches in the league, and. I don't know. I think they should have probably come out with that game, honestly. That you like the Chris Carson thing, that sucks. And you can't really game plan to lose one of your most viable offensive weapons. Right. But at the same time, it is what it is. It happened and you have to game plan better. Yeah, I do I do agree. And 
I don't know. There's got to be somebody else out there than Marshawn Lynch. I thought that was a weird signing. I I thought it that make, was trying to trying to create greatness out of something right. that is so it clearly gone. It makes sense for like casual football fans. If you're a casual football fan, you look, you look at and that and be like, like, "Fuck yeah, that yeah, makes so much sense." Like Lynch is back. the Seattle fans who were, you know, they they sip they simply like to, you know, reminisce about the good times. They were probably right. like, "Yeah, this is awesome. This is really great. Like, you know, let's run it back." But if you're like sort of an informed football fan, you look at that movie, you're like there wasn't somebody who was a little bit more. Yeah, you get uh, there's there's got to be somebody sitting on sitting on their couch. Who wasn't that, just sitting on their couch like yeah, literally two hours ago. Because you have Marshawn Lynch, and then their other guy was that Homer kid who <sighs> he's like a rookie, I think, yeah. and he's not very good. So. Right. There's it's there's got to be somebody somebody sitting somewhere that you can bring in to get you like four to five yards a carry or, or something. Yeah, I I for one am glad that Green Bay won that. That I game am too. because I know I, I picked Seattle, but I am glad you know this about me. I hand. cheer for the narratives if I have no rooting interest, and the the narrative surrounding uh, Aaron Rodgers and San Francisco, uh, you know, the it's just marketable as shit. Like you know what the pregame package is going to be? It's going to be Aaron Rodgers sitting uh, at the draft waiting for somebody to call his name. San Fran saying, "Yeah, we're gonna go with somebody like we're well, not gonna we're not gonna pick you up, kid. Even though you're a Cali <laughs> kid, I love that narrative. I love yeah because dude, the just because chan- you're from somewhere, they should definitely that's draft the you. Right? Stupidest shit ever. But <laughs> he went sh- to Cali. He's from California. Listen, although in this case, I mean, probably right. But the, the pregame package they, they had with, Alex Smith at the yeah, time. Yeah, I don't I don't blame it. Like we'll I I think it. it's just like it's something that sells papers. I guess. Oh God, I have to. That's that's like. That that uh, phrase has really uh, not aged gracefully. What's a paper, my guy? Yeah, exactly. But um, I I really like the, uh, the the game was fantastic. <laughs> uh, we'll you know we'll look forward or we'll you know look ahead to the NFC Championship game in a couple minutes. But for the time being, any any parting thoughts about this uh, uh, NFL divisional round? Um, no, not really. Green Green Bay, great team. Mine. Uh, <laughs> My my last thought about everything is Houston Texans. You are the reason I drink. We'll be right back after this break. All right, welcome back. We're uh, switching up a little bit. Where this is Ryan's voice, not Jesse's voice. We're just gonna fucking roll with it. So the first game we're gonna break down here in the conference championship game is Tennessee and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are the favorite here. Seven and a half points. We I feel is a justified line um the chiefs looked awesome once they got their shit together against the texans and they're gonna roll in here with the utmost confidence after putting up 51 points and being down 24 nothing um just a quick reminder what makes kc different than baltimore in your opinion i mean because Uh, nobody gave tennessee a shot growing to last week what makes kc different from Baltimore is Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's a, he's a throw first quarterback. He threw 50 touchdowns last yep. year. He's, he's, he's the cornerstone. He's the best player in the league. And I mean, when it comes down to it, they have better receiving threats. They have a better tight end. They have arguably a better like running game that him and Mark Ingram or Williams and Ingram can be kind of compared. I know that Lamar was the, the, head rusher of that of that team it all went through him but at the end of the day throwing the ball is what wins games and the running back is or in the running game is always complimentary of that and when your quarterback is throw first and he can throw it as well as Patrick Mahomes can 
while also escaping with his legs. Um, that's just that's just better. That's what, just going to win out. What does Tennessee have to do to win this game? If you're if you're, you're the Titans, how are you game planning for Kansas City? Shut down Mahomes somehow. They're gonna they're they're gonna try to do everything in their power to make Casey emphasize they or have to have to rely on the run game and i honestly don't think so if i'm tennessee and i'm going into this game i mean you don't want to say they have no hope but it's that you got to think it's a long shot right like how huge like especially if your offense is is based on like a a dominant running back who's been running his ass off for two straight weeks you got to think at some point there's going to be a a fallback right like he can't keep doing this right and if you're kansas city you you have more than a a big enough sample size to tell you like he's a running back we have to stack the box and make Tannehill beat us so if i'm tennessee i think the game plan is to try to punch them in the mouth offensively and give Tannehill Tannehill a little bit of control and trust in him because i think that's the only way that they can win the game is if Tannehill comes out strong in the passing game which will open up the running game they can't go just, hey, we have Derrick Henry. This is going to work. I tend to agree. Um, <clears throat> the only thing going against Kansas City in this game, and it's not even something tangible, it's just the fact that Tennessee was given really uh, no shot in the wild card round. I mean, some people were saying, okay, there's like a, you know, a, there's a chance that they can roll into Foxborough and take down New England. But the narrative was, you know, Tom's not going to go down like that. He's not Mm going to roll over. And he, he, I don't necessarily think that he was one who rolled over, but that team, uh, you know, that lost to an inferior opponent by everybody's standards. And then last week it was like, okay, well, it was a nice run. Um, it's been fun. Obviously you can't really deny the fact that, uh, Derrick Henry is, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ or so it seems. And that's a pause real quick. That's the crazy thing about this is like, I know, I know that Derrick Henry is, is great. And he has played out of his mind this season, especially the last couple of weeks. Disagree. He's on a great run, but I feel like we, as you know, at, at one point we were potential journalists. I feel like young journalists specifically, they take these, small sample sizes of events in the sports world and they just completely run with it and now everybody's you know claiming Derrick Henry's the best running back in the league and you can't really argue with that you know based off the last five six seven weeks but it's just like if and watching him he's he's great and I'm not trying to deny that he's had a great run and that he's he's really just superb but at the same time Vrabel's offense uh, was geared towards allowing Tannehill to do just enough and when games were winnable allowing you know Tannehill a little bit of a longer leash now it's like okay we're gonna win this we're gonna win and lose with Derrick Henry as a running back and the offense is geared around him but at the same I feel like I'm you know kind of talking circles my my point is are we sure that Derrick Henry is as good as we've seen the last couple of weeks. I think he's a, I mean, he's a great running back. He's a top five guy at this point. I think he's catapulted his, his position in there. But when you try to develop a game plan that is strictly around your hot dominant running back, it's just not a sustainable game plan. You have to, 
especially against a team like Kansas City who's going to score a ton of points. Like, unless that defense comes out and plays their asses off and it, and shuts down Mahomes, which is a nearly impossible task at this point, they're going to have to rely on Tannehill. And I think Mike Vrabel's smart enough to know that. He's probably sitting in the film room like, all right, this has been awesome, but we have to do something different here if we have a chance to win. If If we get to Sunday and we're watching the game, and they're just rolling Henry out and like, this yep. is all we got. I would be shocked. I, I don't think that that's what we'll see um, because it's just not sustainable. It's just not. I think the thing that works for Tennessee and, you know, I'm picking Kansas City, Kansas City in this game. I think most I think people all are. are yeah. um, but the thing that they can point to last week and say, okay, we definitely can't do that is by just allowing you know, Mahomes to just, A, throw all over the field, which I don't think you can really stop him. You can just only hope to contain him at this point. I agree. But Bill O'Brien's refusal to try to establish the run when he was up, just to eat a little bit of clock. And you really need, I think if the Texans had like, you know, even when it when it was a two-score game, like when we were down by 10 or, or 12 at one point, uh, if you had just gone on one of those drives that was like 75 yards, six and a half, seven minutes, you know, you know, and, and extenuated with a touchdown, I feel like that goes a long way to sort of get Kansas City a little bit out of its rhythm because if they're moving and grooving like that, you're not, you're not stopping Patrick Mahomes because he is just locked in. He's, mm-hmm. he's capable of just going on these, and they score fast, and everyone's always said that about Kansas City, but Tennessee has the best running back in the game right now. Uh, Kansas City's defense, their run defense, is ranked 25th in the league in terms of yards per game. Wow. So if you can just sort of stick to your guns, play your game, don't get rattled by the fact that Kansas City is going to put up numbers quick, and you take the you know, you take the that like 55-yard touchdown on the opening drive, and you say, okay, we're not going to change anything that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to play our game. We're going to play smash mouth hard-nosed football we're not going to make ryan get out of his comfort zone we're going to let derrick henry run the run the ball down their throats and you go on one of those six and a half seven eight minute drives i think it could do a lot to make maybe make them relevant in this game and allow them to stick around i don't think there's any way that they can hang with mahomes because it's just it's i i we watched it last week it was just clinical yeah i i think that's a a a proper take i think that that's exactly I mean, if their goal is to if their goal is to stay relevant and stick around, that's fine. But what happens when what happens when they do that six seven minute drive, and then Casey gets that stop, they kick a field goal, and then Casey goes right goes back up, down and it's, and it's fourteen three. Yep. Then then what? So if the goal is to stay relevant in the game, that's one thing. But if you're trying to win, I think you got to come out with something not entirely different because Henry is the cornerstone piece. And he's what, you know, the offense has been running through. But you have to give Ryan Tannehill a little bit more freedom to throw the ball around. You can't just rely on on Derrick Henry here. It's just, I, it's just not sustainable. I know they have a bad run defense. But unless Henry comes out and it's like, all right, we're going to give this a shot, same thing, go out there and run, and he just, just mashes people and he can do it, that's fine. But we know that, we know that Casey's going to score. And we saw it with Lamar Jackson last week when the when the Titans got up early, he was forced to throw it. The run game isn't the most practical way to score points. I think Tannehill is going to have to have the game of his life yeah, on Sunday 
if they want to win this game. Yeah, the entire the entire Tennessee Titans team will have to have the game of their life. All the entire the defense, the offense, everything. So obviously we're both going KC tiebreaker. Yeah. What's the final score? Final score for me: thirty four seventeen KC. I don't think it's I don't think it's that close. Thirty four seventeen. Okay, I I that's a, that's a, that's seventeen points. Yeah. Damn. So you just you're not buying any like any of Tennessee's capabilities of hanging around with this team, which I get. You know. And I, I for one, should agree with you because I saw what Kansas City did to Houston last weekend. I, that offense is just insane. But I feel like the the X factor outside of Ryan Tannehill is Andy Reid's collapsing in the playoffs. And I don't think I think this team is too damn good I to agree. lose to Tennessee Titans. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think you have to factor that in a little bit because. It, History tends to repeat itself, and stereotypes exist for a reason. When you think of Andy Reid, you think he's a stereotypically terrible playoff coach, or not terrible playoff coach, but he's prone to make that one or two that yeah, one or two a mistakes. He hasn't that cross that exactly that hasn't won the ship. Yeah. Um. Okay. I I'm gonna go Kansas City. Twenty eight seventeen. All right. So I'm going. I I'm not nearly as in on the blowout as you are, but. If if Tennessee goes down by two or three scores and they have to, they're forced to throw the football, then it could get really dicey really quickly, and you could see KC run up the score and just drop another fifty burger on the Titans. <laughs> Although I think Mike Rabel will his guys will not let fifty points be scored. I don't in think the so That's game. why I went with thirty four. I think that it'll be one of those games where, like you said, the Titans are kind of sticking around. Only squids allow yeah. their teams to score or allows their defenses to uh, surrender fifty points. <laughs> not pointing any fingers at Bill O'Brien, but. Um, Okay, NFC or let's go NFC. Um, I think this is a much better game. I think this is, and I am so excited for this game. This is why I said I wanted Green Bay uh, to beat Seattle last weekend because you know I like Seattle. I think they're a fun team. Those were there's a lot of really good young talent there, and Russell Wilson is obviously Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things. But I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers back in the NFC Championship game. I don't necessarily love Aaron Rodgers. I think he can be a little bit of a diva. I think what he did to Mike McCarthy was kind of shitty. Um, I think that the relationship between quarterback and coach is sacred, and it kind of makes me. It's it's sort of one of the reasons why I dislike New England, New England at times, and or rather Tom Brady at times, because it, your coach, if your coach and your quarterback are feuding, I think your team has a ceiling. Patriots have defied that time and time again because we all know that there's always been sort of a power struggle in the latter half of Tom Brady's career because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but it's still, he's still your coach. Bill, o, or Bill O'Brien, whoa, Tough, the dude. polar opposite. Bill Belichick is your coach and he's the greatest coach of all time. So when you have a, the greatest of all time, uh, co- you know, on the coaching side, greatest of all time on the quarterback side, who, uh, you know, who takes control of that situation? Who's the alpha? Who's the beta? It's just two alphas in a room winning Super Bowls. Man. I th- That's all it is. Shit. I th- oh, that worked out really <laughs> well for them. And now you talk about this in New England, which we don't need to get into. But with the coach-player relationship, and I want your take on this because you're a sports guy as well, don't you think that top talent should still be servile to a top coach? It depends. I think it. I think it's a personality thing, and when you're at the top of the game, 
like Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy were, like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for that relation are that relationship. <laughs> Easy does it there. <laughs> were. Um, I, I heard remember, it. I, remember, I heard it. He said I remember my first B- beer there. Bill huh? Belichick and Tom Brady were. <laughs> let's let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna come come back, cut that audio <laughs> and you know, replay it here. Are are currently doing. <laughs> it's it's too it's too elite human beings for one and two elite sports minds and two elite especially quarterback coach it's like these two guys are the are the pieces that are the most valuable in the entire team and if if they're in a system that's been working for for years and years and years there has to be collaboration and i don't know what went wrong with mccarthy and aaron i don't know like the specifics maybe they just didn't get along in the end but it's a work relationship both people are at the top of the game and they both make a lot of money and their the stakes are as high as they're ever going to get. So they have to find a way to collaborate as one. When it becomes a power struggle, they're two alpha guys playing an alpha male sport. They're not going to succumb to the yes, coach. Yes, coach. That's fine. Coach. This is, this is professional. Football. And they're grown ass men as well. And they're grown ass men and they're making a ton of money yeah. and they have input. They're the ones on the field. It has to be a collaboration. It can't be like s- right. some old school, like, I think here's my jersey coach. I think Rogers did McCarthy dirty. He got his, he got a different head coach, Matt Lafleur, who's done a you know a I mean, pretty good job. I mean, it's Bay. their first like you get rid of McCarthy and they're back in the NFC Championship. Game. Yeah, like yeah. there has to be something. But there. it might just be the novelty though. It's just like they haven't rubbed each other the wrong way just because it's a new relationship. I don't know. And unfortunately, we have such a small sample size with Aaron Rodgers because his you know his last long term head coach he kicked out of town. So and he's had Lafleur. Do, do you think for, that oh, that Aaron Rodgers is such like a, a talent that you the coach has if the coach is the head he's that he runs the team. Do you think that a coach going in to deal like essentially they're dealing with personalities. So a coach has to go in knowing that this guy can be a little diva and he kind of has to be bigger and like maybe take some L's along the way to achieve the higher goal. Not necessarily let him do whatever he wants, but yeah, if this guy is the guy that you're building the team around, he has to be treated a little bit differently and you have to like, I mean, you have, figure to, out a, battles you have sure. to figure out a way to, to make that relationship work. Yeah, if that's but what I feel like do. if you start, you know, you give a guy an inch, he'll take a foot. And with Aaron Rodgers, if you give him an inch, he'll take a foot and you lose the locker room. And next thing you know, you're getting fired because you can't handle that locker room. You can't handle a personality like Aaron Rodgers. You can't argue with his success. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. And he's one of the more talented of our time. Um, I don't think really there's been sort of this backlash sidebar with Aaron Rodgers and people are like kind of downplaying his accomplishments just because, you know, the the lone Super Bowl and whatnot. But I still think you can't deny that Aaron Rodgers is will be regarded as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. He's so a top ten guy in my opinion. I don't know. I think that if he wins another Super Bowl this year, it catapults him into that you can't say shit type category, but Yeah, I I don't know. It's <sighs> I think that uh, Sunday will be a lot of fun. I think that LaFleur's done a hell of a job. Like you said, they're back in the championship. Um, this Packers team is a lot is a lot of fun. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously doing Aaron Rodgers things. I think Rodgers to grow up. This is one of those matchups, though, in my opinion. When it's close like this, or all those Vegas does not think it's close, but when it's a close matchup, which I think was what you tell, it was seven and a half. Seven and a half, yeah. Which is insane to me just insanely high if i had to guess i would i would probably go four and a half five um 
But then you have to go from the top down and you start with quarter, or you start with coach, quarterback, offense, defense. And, you know, strictly based off the coaches, I think you'd rather have Shanahan than LaFleur. And you'd rather have Rodgers than Garoppolo. Yeah. What's the biggest football game Jimmy Garoppolo's ever played? This and, is his, this is, this is it. Right. This is his third, third. No, it's his second playoff game. I mean, I'm just saying. So that's where the disparity creeps in for me between the two. And you're taking. That, I mean, that's why in the end I'm taking the Green Bay Packers in this game to upset just San straight up. Niners. Not not the points, not taking the points. You're going straight up. I'll probably bet both just yep. to just to do it. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I think the I think the Green Bay Packers will rely on Aaron Rodgers' experience. I think he's a better quarterback, and I think this is a huge moment. This is a big, big game, and Jimmy G just hasn't been there before. And I value experience. And I want to touch back real quick, briefly, my last thought on the coach, the coach quarterback relationship yep. at the end of the day we live in 2020 modern society this crazy new era of athlete where they are divas and it's it's player empowerment you see it across sports whether it's right or not whether it's what we want or not it's what's happening and i think that the next generation of coach has to be able to assimilate to dealing with these big 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 time personalities more evident in the nba obviously right but it's going to creep into other sports as well, especially football. Shit, man, just let the coaches or players coach themselves and see how that goes. Like, first, it's not going to it's it's not going to go well. But that, like everything, you have to you just have to adapt. And whether that's right or not, that's just what's happening. So okay, I don't know. It's why when the Cowboys were hiring a new head coach, when they hired Mike McCarthy, I thought that was a mistake. I thought that they should have gone younger, mm-hmm. like with a more like more modern, in touch, in touch mm-hmm. offense to where they're in tune with these things that these guys want to do, like, like social media, like these big brands that they've built. Now it's a time that we've never seen in professional sports before, where they have so much going on offside outside of the field that it, it is about more than just managing this player on the field in the locker room. You have to be able to rein these people in. Sure. And sometimes there's outliers like the Antonio Brown shit, but like, sometimes it's too much is what I'm trying to say, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is in that echelon as as being too much i just think he's kind of of, a, of an asshole i agree <clears throat> if you're a head coach you are the player's boss you've managed people before right we've talked about this it's a tough line to toe when you're trying to decide how comfortable you can be with your employees with how friendly you can be mm-hmm. with your employees without actually being their bud and their pal and their friend you have to be like I don't know how you decide where you draw the line, but I think with some of these younger guys, it's like you walk, say a Lincoln Riley walks into the Cowboys locker room. Um, does he walk in and be like, "Dak, what's up?" and dap him up and be like, "Let's let's you know let's go get this bread." Like you have to draw the line somewhere, or right. th- you lose you lose control, and it's just like when you're holding your guys accountable, they can be like, "Bro, we just had beers like last night. Why are you doing me like this?" Mm-hmm. And it's like we joke about. You know, going to grab beers with our professor sometimes, and I would love to. Which it's, I mean, it's going to happen. Like Has it's, to. it's going to happen. But at the same time, say hypothetically, we run into one of our professors at a bar, have a couple, ba- couple of beers with him, walk into class the next week, and he like you know gave us a a D on an assignment. Like my first thought would be like, I thought we were tight. Like, yeah, what the shit, man, what are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's a really interesting conundrum, especially with these the old versus uh, old versus new uh, head coaches. 
Um, and it's 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 a t- it's a tough line to balance, and that's why I think a guy like Belichick is is so great, is because he has the resume. He doesn't try to like ma- maintain this 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 grasp on pop culture and what his players are in, but yeah, it works he, for him because he, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, that's what I'm. For coaches not named Bill Belichick, though, you have to find a different way to I know manage you, the locker and room. And if you so. and if you look at the four teams remaining, three of them are new young head coaches and one of right. them is Andy Reid who has this kind of grandfathered in success that people respect like Bill Belichick does on on a lesser level like Bill Belichick can do all these things because he's won so much and when you go to New England you know that like no oh shit we don't fuck around here he's cut people before Chad Johnson didn't make it here so and so didn't make it here whatever but not everyone has that and right. the people who do it's a very small sample size so I just think successful the future of successful coaches when guys like Andy Reid, uh, Bill Belichick, whoever else are Carol, out of out of Sean yeah Payton, Carol Sean older, Payton older those guys. guys are out of the league. Um, it's going to take a new type of personality to win football games. Yep. You have to be cool like Kyle Shanahan. He seems cool. I'll bet you if you followed him around for a day in the locker room, he's dapping people up. Right. He's like, "What's up, man? Like, right. how you doing? Everything good?" Like he's he accepts all the noise that is now part of modern pop culture and sports culture and everything. It's unavoidable at this point. And it's about figuring out how to manage those things. Okay. Um, but yeah, back to the game. Final, final score prediction. You're take you're taking, uh, I have, so it doesn't really matter because you're going green Bay. I'm going San Francisco, but right, for another, tiebreaker, another six pack on the line. Another. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your final score pre- prediction? Uh, I have green Bay 27, San Francisco 21. Okay, I'm going San Fran 27, Green Bay 24, and I think it. I hope this is a good game. I really do because I don't picture the other the AFC Championship game being that no, great. I think that it's going to be. This is the highest percentage of dud weekend we've had. Yeah. We've been very blessed with two good weekends. Yeah, this It could go south very quickly in both games. Honestly, either um, way, I think KC is going to win for sure. Yes, yes. And Green Bay or San Fran, I'm fine with in the Super Bowl. I think. We're gonna have a pretty good one this year. Uh, the Super Bowl was. I think we got a lot. There's a lot of potential. Does that have anything to do with the fact that the Patriots are not playing? In if the Pats were in, it'd be even better. Be oh, e- Jesus you can't. H- you can't tell me that KC Jesus New England rematch H- right now H- wouldn't be electric. Uh, well, actually, I kind of wish that Tom Brady was playing his Patrick I Mahomes, so I could literally point to like Patrick Mahomes spiral versus Tom Brady spiral. And be like, my guy, he's lost his fastball. And then I point to the score and be like, yeah, but how is he up <laughs> my 15 ass. points right now? <laughs> my ass. How are right. they still winning? They're so goddamn good. Let's take a quick break before we get to this last segment. <laughs> All right, let me tell you a story, and you need to tell me if I am overreacting or if I am in my right mind in being this morose about the situation so sunday as you experienced with me the texans absolutely blow it in the divisional round against kc the next day i take my lsat my law school admissions test as you know i'm trying to get into law school and that's seems like it's going to be the move this is my last shot i've taken it once before and i got an okay score i was hoping for something a little bit better but Take the test, and the, it absolutely destroys me. It's broken down into five sections, and the first two sections, I was just useless. For some reason, just completely rattled, mental midget. It took me about an hour to actually get into my element and just coast the rest of the test. 
Last two sections were okay, but those first two just, yeah, there was no bouncing back from that. So I'm, you know, all bummed out, feeling sorry for myself. And I have a thought as I'm walking to my car, it's about 5 p.m. Monday afternoon. I'm in in downtown Dallas at the Dallas Sheridan where the test took place. Like, you know what? Maybe this law school thing isn't for me. Worst comes to worst, I could just fall back on sports writing. Hell, maybe I could even become the Houston Chronicles beat writer for the Houston Astros. The way the LSAT works is you can have no electronic devices, no Apple watches, no cell phones, nada. So my phone is my car. Get back to my car, turn on my phone. And I have a very old cell phone. Like I'm working with like an iPhone 6S or something. So it takes about 10, 15 seconds to reboot. And all of a sudden, I just get hit with alert after alert after (laughs) alert from ESPN, all these text messages, which I expect some text related to the LSAT, but I just keep seeing Astros, 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 Astros. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Come to find out that my baseball team fired their head coach and general manager, AJ Hinch, Jeff Lunau. After they were served with a one-year suspension from Mon, excuse me, from Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, and I cannot tell you how devastating that was for me. I just gotta say, and you know, I know you're thinking, I'm, Jesse, you're being overdramatic, like sack up. You're being a little bitch boy. No, I don't. Th- I don't think you're overreacting at all. Which was the which was the question? If my team that I love so much and that I've cheered for for my entire life. See, I thought you were going to be reached, reached the pinnacle of sport. And it was the, probably the best sports moment you've ever had in your entire life. And then to come to find out that it was built and achieved on a lie. Allegedly on, on cheating and on, we were on framed, just, bro. We were framed. Full on, you weren't framed. It's, it, it's organizational cheating. Just, just, it's it's abysmal. It's a shame to the sport. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace to the sport. Baseball's already on the decline as far as viewership goes, and this kind of shit just damages it even further. All joking aside, and that's this, the legacy. This entire catastrophe um, related to the Astros, and for those who don't know, the Astros <clears throat> who won the World Series in 2017 were accused of cheating by using um, some sign stealing. Methods, I guess. I, there's, you know, it's a whole big thing. The report basically got into it. The, what, what it boils down to is the Astros had a camera that they had geared towards, you know, the catcher's signals to the pitcher. And anytime there was a changeup, the Astros would alert the batter at the plate by banging a, a trash can. Later in the week, we learned of some allegations of actually some of the Astros players, including my, literally the favorite, my favorite athlete of all time, Jose Altuve, having a buzzer affixed to his shoulder correct fixed to his shoulder that alerted him when chapman or whoever the pitcher was was throwing fastball versus slider versus versus change up in it and it went as far as his walk-off home run that sent them to the world series and now we see significant video evidence and i'd love your take on this evidence that not- Altuve, that Altuve hit this home run, rounded the bases, and was adamant as he got to a walk-off home run, mind you, to send them to the, the World Series, the peak of baseball lore. He's running down third base, and he decides he needs to close his shirt and tell his teammates, hey, 
Don't rip my shirt off here. Because his wife didn't want no, we'll his get, chest, we'll get his to the lie. We'll get to the we'll get to that to blatant the rest lie. Of America. So he's holding his shirt, telling his teammates, "Don't rip this off. Don't rip this off." They don't. He gets his championship T-shirt after hitting a walk-off home run. The stuff that people dream of. That you you play backyard baseball, you hit that home run. You say this sends us to the World Series. This is the best moment you could dream of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead of cheering and jumping around with his teammates, his initial reaction is, "I'm going to take this shirt. I'm going to run directly into the locker room, and then I'll come out." Obviously, why? He why might overcome? You? By emotion, he wasn't because he he, he had to he came himself. out he came out after he changed in the locker room and went to Ken Rosenthal and gave some bullshit excuse about being shy despite many pictures many many pictures of him on the field with a shirt off looking Before happy he was as can be to his beautiful wife who didn't That's, want her baby boy to so you t- you're telling me that in the moment of him hitting the most important home run that he's ever hit as he's rounding the bases his thought is man. I don't want my wife to get mad at me. You are absolutely correct. When he's caught up up in the pure elation of the moment, no, that's absolutely rubbish. Now you're holding your phone up right now, and I would love to hear this. Counter argument. Hey, uh, Ryan, what's your take on ESPN, the worldwide leader in sport? Do you you think they have some pretty severe like journalistic integrity they yeah. lie espn lies everybody knows this they, they oh, def- we can get all into age. the we can get all into what, the spygate you know spygate the flake gate whatever oh, it's Jesus. it's it's a it's it's a subject for another day minutes ago recording this 756 on thursday evening <clears throat> no evidence of astros devices mlb Rubbish. quote Rubbish. found no evidence to substantiate the- end quote allegations of astros using electronic devices that notified them of certain pitches. so we were we that were talking sounds pretty cut and dry to me that sounds like the mlb covering up for the fact that they probably overlooked some of this evidence and thought that it wouldn't come to light maybe i don't know that's maybe conspiracy but i will say that no professional sports sports organization wants to go back and have to retroactively t- strip a title away from a team it's a bad it, look you're right it is a bad look and honestly especially if there's no evidence to do so there is evidence though there's significant evidence okay. there's video evidence T- let me ask you this let me yep. ask you this and you you tell me if it's a coincidence or sure. not sure clayton kershaw in the 2017 world series wait wait clayton kershaw well-known mental midget when it comes to playoff pitching yes sure 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 i guess if you want to call it that yep. at yep. dodger stadium uh-huh. 11 11 11 innings pitched mm-hmm. 15 strikeouts 0.82 era yep 0.82 under great, a run great home pitcher absolutely fast forward to minute Maid park uh-huh. on, on the road in the playoffs six and a half era Six yeah. and a half. You just can't pitch away from Dodger Stadium. I I get it. I no, would hate to be. I would, no, sir. I feel so bad for no, sir. I just I just wish that you would come to terms with the fact that this is all disgraceful and wrong, and your team is at the very very center of it. All joking aside, it's so it's so heartbreaking to think that your team won a championship that was so important to the city of Houston and so important to Astros fans everywhere because the Astros were insignificant trash. If this was the EPL, they would have been relegated 10 times over. They were a garbage dumpster fire of an organization retooled everything. And it was all um, really the the guy who's been there from jump street during this rebuild was Jose Altuve, who is my favorite athlete of all time. 
Um, I can't fathom a reality where some other person rises to, you know, a, a higher status in my brain. Or so I thought before all this sh- this stuff came out. But uh, the, the thing that works for Altuve and for me is that you, I think you're at your peak as a sports fan when you're like 17 to 25, which is when the Astros made their run and eventually won the World Series. I think oh, that was 2017, so I was 23 years old. They became relevant when I was 19, 20, or I guess somewhat relevant. To find out that my favorite sports team, baseball is my favorite sports excuse me, my favorite sport, the Astros are my favorite team, and it's not even close, to find out that, that their their championship, their lone championship, came courtesy of gaming the system and being cheating, lying fucks is so demoralizing. And just, because you never want to think, you see you see teams do this all the time, you see people cheat all the time, and you point to them and it's like, wow, you are a little, uh, S, you know, so-and-so, insert an expletive here, it could never be, my team. It will never be my team because I have a good I have a good judge of character. I know that my team is good. I know these folks are good. I know these Astros players love each other. They love the game. They love playing the game. They're they're charismatic. They're, you know, basically you you will always want to believe that your team is is better than the other teams in every capacity, not only off the field, or excuse me, on the field, but also off the field. You want to think that they're good people. And it turns out that's a fucking sham. The Astros cheated. It sucks. I don't know to what extent they cheated. I don't, I don't buy into this, you know, and this is me, you know, it takes, it takes a big man to me who's wrong, <laughs> but I'm not the biggest of men. And I still don't buy into this bullshit buzzer shit because Altuve, when all this was, you know, the Astros were embroiled in controversy, everyone said, on both sides of the aisle, that Altuve was always above the cheating. And that came out earlier this week that Altuve never took part in it. And if it actually comes to pass that Jose Altuve had a fucking buzzer attached to his chest that alerted him when Aroldis uh, Chapman was throwing fastballs. And that iconic home run came courtesy of st- like just stealing signs and being so just utterly moralistically like just devoid of any semblance of competitive nature or honesty and integrity, I will be so disappointed. It's bullshit. Like, I feel, what I the do, fuck, man? Dude, I do feel for you because at the end of the day, the people who lose are Houston Astros fans. And in a greater context, the entire like baseball watching world because this story sucks. Yeah. Whether you're a fan or not. Like, I'm not a Houston Astros fan, but, the, but that was a great moment. That was a great World Series, and you think, wow, that that was really cool how they did that. That was emotional, and for it all to be based on a lie is like, if they strip, if they strip a World Series title away from this team, if that's what it comes to, it nullifies the entire like sport year for the MLB. Nothing matters to that point, right? Because who you're not gonna, you have to take all the shit down in Cooperstown. You have to it's, take the banner down. You have to take the ring back. You have to do everything. It tarnishes it's, the legacy in baseball is just just now getting over the steroid crisis and the steroid era and it's still a conversation piece and the thing i'm worried about and i would love to think that this is just an isolated incident that the astros cheated but the game of baseball is still sacred and pure but i'm so concerned that this is going to touch so many more teams and we've already seen the fallout a little bit because uh alex cora the red sox manager was fired uh, or excuse me, they the teams 
and, and Cora mutually parted ways, which means that they were going to fire him. But they approached Alex and they're like, hey, you need to resign or we're going to can your ass because you're a cheating piece of shit. He was the Red Sox uh, uh, coach and mm-hmm. he probably introduced some of his practices uh, to the Red Sox because there's there's a couple of reports that Alex Cora was the ringleader of this, which I don't fucking buy. Like, I don't care who started this. It's like, and that's the thing amongst Astros fans. Everyone's trying to say, oh, it was like folks that are no longer with the organization Everyone's who were the complicit. ringleaders. If you were a part of it and you said nothing, it's still shitty. Mm-hmm. And initially I was pissed off at Mike Fires, former Astros pitcher who came forward with these allegations. And I was pissed off because he was a, being a whistleblower piece of shit. And he was, you know, basically uh, nullifying the sanctity of an MLB locker room and just acting very out of character and whatnot. The more I think about it, like sh- shout out Mike fires. Like I I'm still pissed off about the entire situation, but I should be pissed off about my team. Not a dude who like saw that there was this wrongdoing going on and not saying anything because I know that so many players are on the league and this is what I'm concerned about. How deep does this go? And we're going to find out and it's going to, you know, it's, it's, it's January. Now we're about to lose football. We're going to have, Two months where it's just basketball and hockey if you're a hockey fan. And the next thing you have is baseball season. In two months, we're not going to be talking about opening day. Nope. Nobody's going to give a shit about opening day. Everyone's going to be talking about this controversy. And it just it It's going to stink the entire 2020 season. It, tar- it, it just tarnishes baseball, which it, sucks. It's, it, and it, it sucks does. that it's my freaking team. It's bullshit. I, I can't imagine. It's bullshit. And I want to like... I mean, the, like, the, the MLB... The MLB, MLB like, off mic, you know, I'm just like just denying all this shit. And I'm like half joking. I don't want to believe any of this is true, but obviously there's some merit to these claims. I don't know what's true and what's not true. MLB launched an investigation and I think they would have found, you know, I would like to think that they would have just gotten everything out in the open that they found because what's the fuck, what, what's the point of just hiding stuff? Like if it's going to come out later, just admit it all in one foul swoop, you know, levy the fines, um, you know, suspend who needs to be suspended, fire who needs to be fired and just get every, all the allegations out in the open. And if you're still holding stuff back that is going to come to the surface in the next couple of weeks and months, that's just absolutely inexcusable and devastating. I mean, that's that's going to take it to an entirely new level if that comes out. So I hope for baseball's sake that this isn't true. The way it's taken off on social media seems, I mean... I think it's going to get so much worse before it gets better. I think so too. And the Altuve has been quoted through Scott Boris's agent saying that he's never a quote. I've never worn an electronic device in my performance as a major league player. He's denying it on all fronts, which is not to be unexpected. If they're going the, we didn't do this route. And it comes out, it comes out. It's going to be, it's it's going to be very tough. Bro, I have like an Altuve, I have two Altuve jerseys and you know, you, Anybody who knows me knows Jose Altuve is my guy. He's He will always be my guy because of where he got to start. He has the classic, just storybook career. His rise to the ranks, he was an unknown five foot five kid in Venezuela who just forced his way into a, a roster spot, basically, on one of the Astros' like summer league teams in the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's holding up his computer screen of... Uh, Patrick Reed, his favorite golfer with Houston Astros owner Jim Crane. But if it comes out that Jose Altuve, the guy who like just basically exceeded all expectations and against all odds became one of the best players in baseball. Uh, dude, it's like I will never look at baseball the same way. I, I really won't. It, it would be such a disappointing thing to experience. I know I'm sounding dramatic, but baseball's easily my favorite sport. The Astros are easily my favorite team. Jose 
Altuve is easily my favorite athlete. The entire thing sucks. And this week just needs to end because Houston sports are a joke and the source of all my heart, heartbreak and sadness. So that's that about that. <laughs> that's that. Ryan, about let's that. wrap this puppy up. Winners and losers of the week. Um, let's, you know, going forward, we'll probably, you know, ride with the segment segment. And this doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to be pertinent to, I guess the, the sports world, just anybody you determine had a really good week. He's your, he or she is your winner. Your losers, same thought can be pop culture, actors, musicians, athletes, politicians. Ryan, who is your winner of the week? My winner of the week was Joe Burrow. Because, as we saw on Monday Night National Championship game, that guy is just electric. Yep. He was awesome. Uh, all the interviews, especially the the part of my take interview where he showed up just as Shit just awesome. as just as drunk as the as the hosts were after <laughs> skipping his ESPN interview and showing up there just a little tipsy and probably still a little drunk. Um, he he's great. He's a great personality. I feel bad that he has to go play on the Bengals next season, but I hope that he's the type of guy that can turn that organization around because I look forward to seeing a guy like that in the NFL very soon. He's about to make so much freaking money. He's about money. to be so rich, dude. He's going to be so wealthy. Did you see the video of him smoking the cigar on the couch? No. You didn't see this one? No. It was electric. Dude. LSU football. Shout out to LSU football for having just a, an awesome like media team. They've been putting out prime content like right when it matters. They have high-quality, awesome videos. Um, so the guy, they were in there again, and Joe Burrow, full pads, sitting on the couch in the locker room, legs crossed, just smoking a cigarette, just looking like a fucking champ yeah uh quick aside uh so people are talking about how joe burrow's like damned to go play in cincinnati and they feel so bad for him but is that really the worst situation for him because i know that cincinnati has been bad recently but it still could be so much worse yeah there's so many destinations that could be like very true i'd rather go to cincinnati than miami probably exactly well brian Flores is fine but i think the situation could yeah he could be going to the freaking browns you know, shit. shit. I, I I don't know. I don't think the situation. <laughs> yeah, the, the Browns, whose star wide receiver is is slapping that, fucking police butt in the locker. Room. That's my loser of the week, Odell Beckham Jr. Holy shit! Fucking, my god, what a shit show, huh? And I, I, you know, I'm predisposed to absolutely despise Odell Beckham Jr. because I drafted him first overall, or not first <laughs> overall, but he was my first round draft pick in fantasy this year, and just laid an absolute egg in Cleveland this year. Um, but you know, it comes. He's a LSU alum, so LSU obviously wins the national championship earlier this week. He's seen on the field passing out money to LSU football uh, players, most of whom were seniors. But that's a like, you know, the NCAA. You just if know that you're going to put those guys in a in a bad yeah, exactly, spot, and it's a bad look. For, you have to have a little bit of wherewithal to be like, okay, look, the NCAA is full. Of a bunch of, and you know, he was just doing that for his own clout. That wasn't for he right, exactly. He, he just wasn't wanted that to go to like, viral. Like, like, hey, dude, did. I appreciate your efforts on the field. Here's dinner on me, or here's drinks on me. He was just like, I'm Odo Beckham Jr. I'm gonna just gonna toss money in the air to my guys because I'm Odo Beckham Jr. Like, you have to have a little bit more maturity. He also got charged with simple battery. <laughs> a arrest warrant got uh, issued, I believe, earlier today. Dude, he just slapped that co- cop right on his butt in the locker room. <laughs> Did you it, see the video? Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Just, just, uh, just, bro, grow up a little bit. Like, have a little bit of common de- – like, just – You say that – You say he's an LSU alum. 
and yeah, you're right. He he went he, he's every not every single former LSU football player was at this fucking game. Right. Just just sit on the oh, sideline and watch a joke the game. About him not finishing his no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I, I really no. wasn't. He's, dude, but you, you got you had Jamal Adams there who yeah. who. Dallas native, by the way, Jamal Adams, but he, Hebron High School, shout out. Um, but he, he was just watching the game, getting yeah. hyped. You don't have to yeah, take exactly. it to this extreme level, dude. He's just I get being case, excited, man. but he's dude, a total, just grow he's up. Supremely talented. Him just, and Baker are made for each other. God, I'm, st- I'm still a Baker guy. I want to believe but you're still Jesus. a Baker guy. Oh, Jesus, the moment does not always have country. To, the moment does not always have to be about you, Odell. Like seriously, sometimes just take a back seat. All these kids. This is the best night of their life. Several of these kids will never reach this level of success again for their entire life. When they're on their deathbed in 60, 65, 70 years from now, they will look back to this night. Maybe just stay in the stands and stop being so self-possessed that you have to make everything about you. And I'm not trying to like, you know, basically shit on anybody's parade. And I'm sure Odell was, was stoked or whatnot. But you didn't do. You did absolutely fucking nothing yeah, right? to assist this team in getting the national championship. Act like act like you've been there. But the, oh wait, he's never won well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> the story should not be Odell Beckham Jr. It should be about my winner for the week. And I'm just going to jump right into this. Nice I know segue I'm, there, my guy. Uh, Ed Orgeron, the king of Louisiana. <laughs> Literally, stock has never been higher. Dude can do no wrong. Everybody, oh, when this first got high, when this first uh, when it got, first got announced that Ed Orgeron was going to LSU to be their head coach. Um, I thought it was a joke personally. He had a nice little uh, stint at USC as an interim. They were just, you know, when it came time to hi- make a hiring decision, they were like, this guy, this Louisiana Blumpkin? No, absolutely not. We are not hiring him. They dismissed him. Uh, he went, to, he, he, you know, he winds up at LSU as their head coach, you know, and a former SEC powerhouse that, you know, LSU has always been like relevant, but yeah. never in, this, in the same conversation as Alabama, at least not, you know, recently. And it worked out. Yeah. It, like, it worked out better than you could ever imagine. Dream of being the head coach of LSU. He made that dream a reality, won the national championship, beat Dabo Swinney in the finals. It's just, it's awesome. I love Ed Orgeron. Me I don't too. think anybody, if you if you dislike Ed Orgeron, you got a big old poop wrong, in your man. pants. That's what you have. You're big old wrong. fucking poop because he is, he's great. He loves his guys. Yeah. He loves Louisiana. He's just a good, Go he's, he's a good old boy. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't hate him. Who's your he winner really of the week? Is. My winner of the week? Yes. Joe you already, you already give me your winner. My loser, loser though is, I hate to do it to you, man. And we don't have to really, we don't really have to don't you el- dare. elaborate here because we dare. already touched on it, but it has to be the city of Houston, Texas. Not only are they uh, like the fourth most popular major city in the state of Texas before this weekend, you probably go, what Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, <laughs> Houston at that point, what? but but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely here and there. The fact that you just put Dallas above Austin. All right, we'll oh go Austin, God. Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, Jesus. right there at the bottom. And honestly, like I might even throw like Fredericksburg in there oh before God. Houston. I just but got like never a searing headache. <laughs> <laughs> but. You just gotta you gotta feel for the residents of Houston, man. Their team gets embarrassed on national TV on Sunday, giving up a twenty four nothing lead to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you turn right around, and their beloved Houston Astros are just a bunch of cheating fucks who probably got everything they deserved and probably deserve more. Um, it's just it, you hate to see it, man. You just truly hate to see it. Um, we give me give me like twenty seconds. Stay on the mic. Just, Dal- stay, Dallas, just stay right here. Dallas would never do this. Keep it rolling. All right, he's walking to the fridge. He opens it up. He's pulling out, <laughs> pulling out a beer. 
he doesn't get me one. The classic Houston, classic Houston native. <laughs> Here's to you, Houston, Texas. Thank you for ruining my life. Well, that's all we have for tonight's episode. I'm gonna go drink myself into a stupor. Not actually, because it's Thursday night. I'm not not that much a degenerate. But uh, Ryan, we should probably be recording sometime early next week, talking about these championship games, looking ahead to the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, any closing thoughts, my guy? Just disappointed in, in our city neighbor, Houston, Texas. Oh my God, I hate you so much. Just All right, you're done. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Go tag us. <laughs>